You're listening to the AdCast with your host, Eric Elliott. All right, AdCast listeners, uh, I'm going to slow it down today because I have uh, this this gentleman is uh, I, I, I'm at a loss for words on some of the work that he's done for uh, almost 30 years. Uh, you know, he's been a music critic, but also over the last 25 years or more, uh, he's been uh, instrumental in getting justice done for a lot of people. And right before the show, we were talking and I asked him, I said, I said, Jim, how do you feel? Um, and he said, you know, it's not about me. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I have with me today, Mr. Jim DeRogatis. Uh, Jim. Uh, thank you for being a guest on the AdCast. You know, thank you so much. Uh, and well, thank you. Thank you for your interest, Eric. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you have uh, uh, quite a unique story. And and if someone's been under a rock right now, let's tell these folks exactly who Jim DeRogatis is. Well, I, I'm an associate professor in the Department of English and Creative Writing at Columbia College. I had spent before that 15 years as the pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times. Roger Ebert did movies. I did all of popular music and uh, uh, I've written 10 books, most of them about music. And uh, I have a radio show, Sound Opinions, that's a very popular podcast heard around the world. And it's on 150 Mm -hmm. public radio stations across the U.S. That's right. And and also, uh, you know, a lot of Jim's work. Um, has actually held up and actually gotten justice for a lot of women in, uh, for those who have seen the show Surviving R. Kelly and also the trial of R. Kelly. A lot of Jim's work uh, was actually very instrumental in that. Um, but I want to go back to, you know, I think it was in November. I think you described in your book, it was closer around probably Thanksgiving or Christmas time, one of those holidays when you guys were actually packing it up for the night. I think there was uh, Mr. Palish and also Mary who was actually working with you guys. And, uh, and you just got this mysterious tape. You got this tape. Tell us about this. Walk us through that, Jim, on what that was like for you. Well, you know, the tape gets conflated with the facts, uh, Eric. Um, I received an anonymous fax on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving 2000. I had uh, reviewed R. Kelly's TP2.com. Uh, you know, it was the sequel to 12 Play, TP2.com. 12 Play, of course, because an ordinary lover, Eric, might give you four play, but the <laughs> sexual super freak would do three times better. Uh, Kelly never hid his proclivities. Um, you know, and I thought it was from a player hater. You know, he's hugely beloved black superstar in Chicago. Uh-huh. Uh, Chicago is a racially divided town. Whenever I wrote about R&B or hip hop, that's not music, that's noise. Uh, And this thing, this sentence in air quotes had been around since I first arrived in Chicago in 1991. R. Kelly likes them young. And I will admit, I never stopped to think about what that meant. The Mm -hmm. Aaliyah thing had blown up in 1996. Um, You know, it was out there that uh, they had gotten married. Uh, The record company said she was 15, but, you know, they were also whispering, maybe she's 18. Maybe they got married. Maybe they didn't. Uh, It was successfully covered up, which is hard Mm -hmm. to believe today that two of the biggest superstars in the music world uh, may have had an illicit, illegal 
uh, destructive relationship when she was, we now know in federal court, 14 and 15. Um, wow. All of this had been out there. No one had done any real reporting on it. I got that fax and, you know, hey, I, uh, I threw it in the slush pile, Eric, of press releases I'd never read and hate mail from uh, people telling me I was an idiot as a critic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went home on Thanksgiving weekend and certain things haunted me that said that, that there had been an active police investigation for a year and a half. It, it named a lawsuit that had never been reported, uh, filed by an underage girl, which I found hard to believe. How could this have been filed in court? Nobody wrote about it. Uh, it had specific names and dates. And I broke my rule of only going to the office once a week because they wouldn't let me sit around in my mm-hmm. sweatpants and blast loud music. I tried to work at home. Uh, and, and I read it carefully. I called the Chicago Police Department switchboard, and there had been a name, a very long Polish name of a sergeant heading the investigation. And I asked for her, and they said, nobody here by that name. And I almost hung up, and I said, well, yeah, is there a similar Polish surname in sex crimes? And the operator sighed and connected me and Sergeant Chinahuski picked up the phone. I said, I'm Jim Deirgatis from the Sun-Times. I'm calling about your investigation into R. Kelly. And she said, oh, I was wondering how long it would be before someone asked me about that. I can't talk to you and hung up. And so from the low rent pop music critic desk in the features section next to the wonderful woman, Denise O'Neill, who put the horoscopes and comics together. I went into the city room and talked to the city editor and he read the letter and, and uh, it was anonymous. And, and he said, look, I'll have Abdin Palish, the court's reporter, check and see if this lawsuit was ever filed. You keep making phone calls in the music world. And we were off and running uh, six weeks of the most intense 18 hour day reporting I've ever done. That story runs December 21, 2000, right before Christmas. And Abden and I thought this man is finished. The level of detail, the women who had trusted us and talked to us, the lawsuit documents we got unsealed uh, in Michigan uh, from the Aaliyah settlement. We thought Mm -hmm. he was finished. Instead, we were vilified on black radio, two white reporters, uh, coming after this beloved superstar. And it was really Mary Mitchell, the brilliant African-American columnist. Um, she was 45 when she went back to college to study journalism after raising her three children, a true inspiration. Uh, yeah, you give them, a, you give uh, Abden and Mary a lot of credit too. And yeah, I think it was never just very, me. Very good. Mary kept saying, hey, these reporters are white. So what? He is victimizing your daughters, your sisters, your aunties, your nieces. This has to stop. Black community, wake up. And, uh, you know, so so that's 2000. It wasn't until February 2002. I was working at home. I had just finished uh, uh, transcribing an interview with Alicia Keys. My phone rings and it says, go to your mailbox. Click. And uh, there was a manila envelope unmarked with a VHS tape, unmarked. We had heard about this apparently ongoing uh, sexual abuse by Kelly of a 14-year-old. Her family had refused to talk to us. Um, And here was 26 minutes and 39 seconds of the most horrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. Kelly victimizing this girl and ultimately urinating in her mouth 
call me daddy, instructing her what to do. And we thought, once again, this is it. He's finished. But yeah. it, it took six months for the Chicago authorities to indict him. When they did, it was on very narrow charges of making child pornography and uh, not uh, statutory rape because the girl, her mother and her father were in Europe for six or which, nine months. Which actually, if I remember correctly, he turned out to be like a bass player. Um, yes. On his album? Yeah, right? guitarist and bassist who had played uh, with Kelly. Uh, mm -hmm. And the girl's aunt was Sparkle, whom Kelly had recorded and produced. And Sparkle had split uh, from Kelly because of his behavior. Mm -hmm. When I first called her in 2000 and said, we are hearing stories of your niece. Uh, and she, she uh, you know, freaked out on me. Um, I don't know what happens behind closed doors. You're talking about one of the loves of my life, my blood. You know, uh, she hung up on me. And yeah. now she was calling about this tape. There's a tape on the streets. I had said, until we have the tape, there's not much we can do, Stephanie. Uh, and then the tape appears. And I had to watch it with Sparkle, Stephanie Edwards, uh, to confirm that that was her niece and that that was the time frame she had worn her hair that way when she was 14. Okay. We had handed the tape to police. He's indicted in July, 2002. It took six years to go to trial. Yeah, now, I remember that. You or I are accused of a crime far less than raping a 14 year old. We're going to be in uh, behind bars uh, in, in no time at all. This, yeah. this broke every record in Cook County, and the judge, a lousy, in my opinion, uh, biased for the defense jurist, uh, consistently ruled for Kelly at every turn. Um, by the time it and, got and to he court, had a, he, had a, he had an attorney with a lot of sway. He had a, an attorney who self-professed mob attorney, uh, and... Uh, you know, uh, he had a lot of money. He was at the height of his fame. You know, while he was awaiting trial, Ignition Remix comes out. He'd never been bigger. Uh, and the fact that it was reduced to one girl on one videotape and neither she nor her parents testified, the jury was convinced it was Kelly, uh, but they didn't hear from the victim. And they were shocked after they acquitted him uh, wow. uh, when they were interviewed, saying, we never knew there were other victims. There was not a word about Aaliyah. There was not a word about the then documented in civil wow. lawsuits, five underage victims. There was no sense that Kelly was a predator. Uh, you know, put it in context, Eric, this is the, the era of Tommy Lee and Pam Anderson uh, mm -hmm. having that sex tape stolen from mm -hmm. their house. Mm -hmm. And then they decide to cash in on it and give it an official release. You know, this wasn't that, <laughs> my friend. This was horrifying that the young girl had the vacant, disembodied look of a rape victim. And she was an automaton being directed by Kelly on videotape in how to please him. And, and it was just sickening. Um, that was a true low point, you know, but, you know, people say like I'm Javert in, in Les Miserables, you know, but you kept on it. Uh, I kept answering my phone, right? Um, when young women come to someone and say, I've been hurt, no one believes me, um, I'm scared, 
to talk out because he could destroy me. But I've seen what you've reported. I respect you. Will you tell my story? Yeah. I don't think you're a reporter. But I don't think you're a human being if you don't take that call. You or me walking down the street, we see a woman screaming in distress. We're going to do something. Gonna help. We're going to do help. We're going to call 911. We're going to blow the police whistle. We're going to, uh, you know, if you're a big guy like me or you, maybe you're stupid enough to take after somebody. All right. Yeah. You don't sit there and do nothing. And so when I say it was always the women, you know, the courage to trust a fat white rock critic with tattoos of all of his favorite bands up and down his arms. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, that is uh, that is bravery, Eric. And yeah. the least you can do as a reporter is to uh, tell their stories and to try to do them justice. Jim, you know, I, I want to go way back to the time when you actually called the sergeant the first time and she said to you, I was wondering when someone was going to happen and then just hung up there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, just think about like if, if you, you know, people always say like if you could go back and talk to your younger self, mm -hmm. if you never stayed on it at that point, Jim, if you never went beyond you getting hung up on, would we have justice today? Because everything that you did was vital. Well, taking justice for these young ladies, man. You know, can yet uh, Tisha Barnes or Anike Odele of the Mute R. Kelly movement, uh, it launched literally the day after the cult story I published in mm -hmm. BuzzFeed in 2017. They say, without this work, Jim, uh, we wouldn't have done this. We had heard for wow. years, but we had had enough. Uh, Dream Hampton, who was wow. the brilliant part of surviving R. Kelly. Yeah. The yeah. Lifetime people, different story. Uh, but Dream Hampton, uh, the showrunner behind the first uh, season of Surviving R. Kelly, says, I, without your reporting, we wouldn't have been able to do this. But, I mean, mostly it was the women, you know. And we always felt, Abden and me and Mary, that we were late to this story at the end of 2000 because victim number one, Tiffany Hawkins, was 1991. Right. Aaliyah was 1995 and 1996. Uh, uh, I always felt guilty that we hadn't gotten there sooner. So, so all these things are happening around, uh, and these are court documents, and then yeah. settlements going out. And and there was all, there was actually um, an attorney that was actually in Chicago, and everyone yeah. said, "If you want money, you go to this attorney, and yeah. and she'll get you a settlement." But but what was the music industry saying? I mean, like the labels, I mean, how could they say, you know, like there has to be some kind of morality to say, you know, hey, you're a big artist and, and we need to know if these things are true or, you know, what's happening or we can't have you on the label. You didn't just say morality and music industry in the same <laughs> sentence, did you, Eric? Look, <laughs> Jive Records is started by a South African man in London uh, Clive Calder. And it is run by a Jewish fellow in New York, Barry Weiss. They were well aware of the hush money settlements being paid to underage women. They were well aware of the Aaliyah uh, statutory rape. Uh, there was money to be made and they weren't going to derail the gravy train. The mm -hmm. music industry is complicit from the lowliest tape operator and studio gopher to Clive Calder and Barry Weiss at the top of Jive Records. They knew about this behavior for decades. They turned a blind eye. 
as long as money was being made. Kelly sold 100 million records, about 70 million of his own. And then let's tack on the artists he produced, everyone from Whitney Houston and Celine Dion yeah. to Justin Bieber and Lady Gaga. Michael uh, Jackson. Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah, I remember asking people who were in Chicago Recording Company, what was the conversation like between those two? Uh, Kelly wrote, you are not alone about Aaliyah, but Jackson makes it a hit. And it, it, it spoke to both of the uh, accusations against both of those men. Uh, really, in retrospect. But Kelly never made a secret. What was the title of the album he wrote and produced for Leah? AJ, Nothing But a Number. It was there in a very Dostoevsky crime and punishment way. He was announcing his crimes and perhaps, if you want to play armchair psychiatrist, something I always resist, perhaps saying, catch me if you can, stop me if you will. Um, you know, to be clear, the many, many, many young women who trusted me with their stories, they never said, I hate the SOB, lock them away for life. Mm. They always said, brother has a problem. Brother needs help. Brother's got to stop. That's that's quoted in your book, too. Again Perfect. and again, Eric, yeah. I heard those words more than any other. And the other sentence I heard more of. Now, I, I do not speak for black women. I am merely amplifying what dozens have told me, I was a young black girl who was going to believe me. They don't count in our system. And wiser men than me have said that, Malcolm X, yeah. you know, uh, and many others. Young black girls, we don't believe women in general. Mm -hmm. uh, and even despite the FBI statistics, uh, only 40% of sexual assaults are ever reported to the criminal justice system which I say mm -hmm. in quotes, because we know the problems, right? Yeah, and, and, and even probably a lot less among African-American women. And even less among African-American women. And the FBI, not a liberal organization, says that of the 40% uh, reported, less than 1% turn out to be false accusations. Wow. So, so if that, you factor that's a in that's a discouragement in itself, it's a discouragement. You know, this is not a plague of women making false accusations against men. And what I have been saying since the sentencing, you know, we didn't believe Anita Hill when she went to Capitol Hill with very credible accusations of sexual harassment. We didn't believe Dr. Christine Blasey Ford two decades later when she went to Capitol Hill with very credible accusations of rape. And now those two men who sit on the Supreme Court help take away a woman's right to control her own body. Wow. This is wow. a bigger story. now. The Kelly story is plenty big in itself. As a pop music lover and critic and historian, you know, men have been treating women badly in popular music since the era of the Bobby Soxers until last week. But no one, we have to take a breath because I don't think this has sunk into people. No one in the history of popular music, name your favorite villain, has ever been convicted of the breadth and depth of crimes uh, as Robert Sylvester Kelly. And that was in the first federal trial. There's the second is going to start in Chicago in August. Uh, he is truly the world's greatest, to borrow one of his song titles, to which I would mm -hmm. only append predator, abuser. Wow. 
So, you know, you, you brought up uh, the album Aging Nothing But a Number that that he did. Do you feel like a lot of the things that he was doing, he was hiding and not even hiding in his lyrics, that he was just putting it out there? I'm always haunted by something that his half brother, uh, Carrie, Killer Kelly, told me. He mm -hmm. said, uh, and this was towards the end of reporting for the book, that sick MFer is talking to other sick MFers who are on his level. Now, I understand the power of music. Mm -hmm. If I believe I can fly, played at your kid's kindergarten graduation. And, my kid, my five-year-old sings it today. And Step in the Name of Love was your mm -hmm. wedding song. And Ignition Remix was the party jam of every backyard barbecue you ever went to. That music in some ways is yours as much yep. as it is his. I understand mm -hmm. that. And mm -hmm. we can have a philosophical discussion about separating the art and the artist. But Kelly consistently in the vast body of his work was championing an unfettered vision of hedonism that said, I will take my pleasure where I desire with no regard for who I hurt. Right. And if you listen again with fresh ears and think about that, he never made a secret. You know, famously, after the acquittal in 2008, he does an interview with Torre. Torre asks him, you know, do you like young girls? And he takes a serious moment and he says, how young we talking? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he didn't make a secret of this. It's just that those black girls didn't matter to anyone. And, you know, people say what? You know, how did you maintain? Well, first of all, I just answered the phone. I was mm -hmm. always here. I never twisted anyone's arm to talk. In some cases, it took them nine months to decide to go on the record or to speak to me at all. In some cases, it took five years. Geronda yeah. Pace, uh, who was the first witness who testified in Brooklyn. Um, but, uh, you know, I had a picture. We, Abden and I went to Kenwood Academy, which is one of the most prestigious public high schools in Chicago. Kelly attended it, didn't graduate because by his own admission, he cannot read. Um, mm -hmm. We pulled the yearbook. We saw the picture of some of his victims, the one in particular, Tiffany, you know, with braces on a volleyball player. You know, this was not a bitch, a hoe, a gold digger, right? This was our daughter, man. You know, yours, mine, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the skin color is irrelevant. It's a 15-year-old, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, you know, I mean, that was the motivation, realizing and bothering to listen to the people he hurt, you know, are they all perfect? No, a lot of them were screwed up kids who made mistakes, who thought he really loves me. He's going to make me a star like he made Aaliyah a star. Right? They believed it. And they, they believed, believed it. it. They, they believed it. You know, at, the time, at the time, there was no... There was no YouTube or Instagram to get them famous. So, you know, if they felt they had a connection, they felt like this is this is what they had to do or go through it, right? Well, and kids do dumb things. Who hasn't yeah. bought booze underage? Who hasn't uh, uh, been 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 seen by the cops smoking weed in the park? I mean, you know, that's what 15-year-olds do, for God's sake. Mm -hmm. But, you know, why – so at that point, why did they – when I say they, the police department, you know, because some of this could have been nipped in the bud, and a lot of people can – could, we could have uh, stopped a lot of the hurt earlier on if people had just listened. Well, so why is it that they hang up and they just didn't, didn't no, do anything else from that point? No, uh, the, the sex crimes investigators were diligent 
You know, it okay. often it, it is easy to paint the Chicago Police Department, who let us not forget shot Laquan McDonald 16 times in the back walking away. Mm -hmm. All right. It is easy to paint them with one brush. The white investigators on that squad knew that what he was doing and tried to stop it. But there's a wow. complex system in Chicago. The courts failed these black girls. The schools failed these black girls. Girls, where's the principal of Kenwood Academy or Whitney Young who allowed him to come and talk to the choir classes of 14 and 15 year olds? Mm -hmm. Journalism failed because it was only the Sun Times. Uh, the black church failed. You know, Reverend James Meeks, right hand man to Jesse Jackson, was on TV with Kelly at his side as his spiritual advisor and uh, was Jordan. Yeah, with Ed Gordon and busing uh, school buses full of kindergarten kids in free R. Kelly T-shirts to his court appearances all the way from 2002 to 2008. Most of all, the music industry failed, which we've already talked about. Um, mm -hmm. There were a handful of people of good conscience, but there were also supervillains. We heard at the uh, trial in Brooklyn, there were cops, Chicago cops, who in their off-duty hours worked security for Kelly at triple the pay of the cop, right? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and they saw this shit, Eric, you know? Wow. Uh, there is no way it was it was not possible. Oh. You know, we had one cop testify in Brooklyn. I never saw anything. Did you ask the girls their ages? What? I wasn't carding them. I mean, come on. Come on. You know, and they were parents. The, the girl in the videotapes parents would bring her to the recording studio with a pillow and a sleeping bag. So now let's go to like the first trial, which took like six years, which... Yeah. It is unheard of. Yeah. Um, so, okay. He, before that he's arrested in Florida. Yeah. He does like a $750,000 bond. Mm -hmm. uh, he's immediately. And he pays in cash. Pays, pays in cash. Immediately whisked away to Chicago right after that, you know, and then, you know, court proceedings take forever and a day. Yeah. In the mean, in the meantime, a hit after hit. I mean, you couldn't turn on the song and I, and I'll be honest with you. If I told you that I never jammed an R. Kelly song or listened to it, I li I'd of be course, lying. Of course, you know. Yeah. But, but in the meantime, from that time, you turn on the radio. Almost every song you heard, yeah. Either he uh, sang himself or he produced. Yeah. Like you talked about the other thirty million records that were out there for other artists or produced or penned for him. Um, and so now we have this delay in court. Yeah. The judge gets hurt. They break their leg or something falling off. Yeah, of the ladder. all of that was BS. One of the prosecutors you know. had a baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. it was they were slowing down the wheels of justice. Mm -hmm. uh, the money was flowing uh, to uh, every day. That girl who was 14 on the tape and quite obviously so got a little older. And it was unclear whether they were going to subpoena her. Ultimately, they didn't because they felt she has been victimized enough to subpoena her and force her to testify and lie on the stand uh, is wow. just is just raping her again. Um, but, you know, it, look, it, it was bought for Chicago justice. You know, uh, it's it's B.S. Um, and and, you know, race is at the center of everything, Eric. I don't have to tell you. Far too, too many people of color are behind bars, wrongly convicted, okay? But let's yeah. just ruminate on how lucky 
quote unquote, Kelly was. There's a half hour. That's a long time. Think of an average sitcom, right? A half hour of horror and he's acquitted. In Florida, when they arrested him on on the Chicago charges, the cops, the sheriff's office went into the vacation home. He was he had two, one for the family and one where he partied with his boys. And they find all of these video cameras set up and they confiscate the video cameras. And on those video cameras are images of him having sexual contact with the 14 year old, other underage women as well and legal women participating in these threesomes. That's thrown out in the state of Florida as illegal search and seizure. You know, if somebody calls and says, I'm smelling weed from next door back when it was illegal and the cops knock on the door, they open the door and they see like a naked 14 year old, a pound of coke and and two pounds of weed on the coffee table. You know, that's like your stupidity. You're done, right, man? Yeah. Kelly was the only brother in the history of the freaking state of Florida to get off on an obvious crime. They have images, right? I mean, the man had an incredible amount of luck combined with an extraordinary amount. You know, when he sings in I Admit, the last publicly released song before he is arrested, uh, that I am a broke ass nigga, he is singing it. Uh, because he is broke, right? Yeah, he said I'm a, I'm a, he said I'm a, a broke ass legend. A broke ass legend. Yeah, all right. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, different. I've seen. I heard three or four different recordings of that one. Mm-hmm. Um, because a source in the camp is leaking it to me, and it wasn't until the last minute he name drops me in there. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> you know, um, you know, he's broke because he squandered half a billion dollars on lawyers and hush money and thugs to threaten uh, these women, these young girls and their families. Uh, It's truly extraordinary. You know, he earned a billion dollars for Jive and half a billion for himself. He was a cash cow. He was a cash cow. He was a cash cow. So now with the Aaliyah thing, because Aaliyah, her, her uncle was his manager. And now just recently, like he's come out and he started, you know, kind of talking up for her, but I mean, where was the protection for her? And I'm not I'm not sitting here. I'm not going to be one of those people. So where were the parents and all that stuff? I'll, I'll let everyone else on the outside do all that stuff. But, you know, like it seemed like after all this came out, there was like this line of separation between the two of them. Mm-hmm. You never saw them in the no, same they, event. They never they we, never spoke again. Uh, within hours of that illegal marriage, they were separated, and then it was annulled in the courts uh, shortly thereafter. Um, look, I think my answer to this uh, is for both all the people who say where were the parents. Yeah, because um, there's going to be a lot of there's right. going to be a lot of people. Uh, Leah was like, just another 15 year old. OK, yeah. uh, there's the added factor that the people around both her and Kelly don't want to derail these careers. But at the end of the day, she's a 15 year old uh, sophomore Absolutely. from the Detroit School of the Performing Arts. Um, Absolutely. It is easy to say where were the parents. In many cases, we are underestimating the power of the predator, right? How many parents in the white Irish Catholic world trust the parish priests with their little altar boy? And, you know, father would never do that. Why are you saying this about father? All right. Right, right, Um, right. Let's look at JonBenet Ramsey. 
super sexualizing a six or seven year old toddler as a beauty queen, right? Where were mm -hmm. the parents there? The strongest drug in our society is this lust for fame. And I think that, you know, what I heard so often from parents is, I knew there was stuff, there were rumors, he was acquitted, wow. but I was going to be by my daughter's side the whole time. He was mm -hmm. never going to be alone with her. And that is people lying to themselves because they want to believe the same way Mrs. Murphy believes that the father at the parish would never, right? Yeah, of course he can be alone with the, the you know, he's not going to be alone. There's going to be another altar boy there, right? I mean, mm -hmm. come on. The predator is expert at manipulating people to his own devices. I'm a music critic. I had to become expert on this. The number of criminal, sexual uh, psychiatrists and investigators that I've talked to, we still don't understand mm -hmm. um, underage predators, really. What drives them? What compels them? And of course, Kelly, like Michael Jackson, had a very difficult, troubled, abusive upbringing. You can't forgive because so many of the experts have told me the vast majority of people abused as children, in fact, become defenders of children, right? Yeah. Uh, and some small percentage of abuse victims then act out the abuse that was perpetrated on them. But it crystallized for me early on when one of his right-hand men who came up with him and was the road manager says to me- Demetrius Smith. Demetrius Smith got says, you've got to understand, Jim, night after night in the green room after the show, there are 20 gorgeous half-naked women who will do anything for him, 20, 21 years old. And then there's the little girl in the corner staring at her shoes, too shy to talk to anyone, uh, hiding her acne. And night after night after night, that is who he goes after. And that's how I, and, you know, we can get technical. It is not pedophilia. Pedophilia is prepubescent kids. Ephebophilia mm -hmm. is the term for grown men drawn to pubescent, just about, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, preteen teens, uh, whatever. The power relations here of him ruining the lives of so many young girls for 30 years in the full glare of the brightest spotlight in the music world, it, it's just astonishing. And much research has been done uh, by brilliant uh, uh, men and women about the early sexualization of young girls of color, uh, black and Latinx. You know, we don't see the 14 year old black girl the same way we see the 14 year old white girl. And by we, even the black community, I mean, right? Yeah. You yeah. know, they are sexualized early. Um, none of that forgives it. Even if she thought she was willing, uh, she didn't sign up for a relationship that at the end she attempts suicide, that happened to several of the young girls, that she's forced to have an abortion, that she's physically and mentally abused, that he urinates in her mouth, that he forces her to eat her own feces when she breaks daddy's rules. All of wow. this court testimony in federal court, okay? Wow. So no allegedly required anymore, he's convicted. So now the BuzzFeed article, 
when you know it seemed like everything kind of you know kind of went to sleep yeah. and then that when that article came out it just woke everything up again and that was kind of the catalyst of when people stopped showing up to shows yeah. shows were being canceled and and everything else now uh and, and this did that part did not come out of nowhere for you because you had people reaching out to you telling you what they were going through yeah i mean i spent nine months working on that story and accumulating more and more evidence. First, the savages contacted me and trusted mm -hmm. me. And the tragedy of this is their daughter is still defending Kelly. She's the and last Jocelyn, Jocelyn. Joy Savage, yeah. Okay. And uh, then the Clarys, and then Kitty Jones, and Asante McGee, other women, other people who'd worked uh, for that situation. By 2015, 2017, he is splitting his time like a snowbird. The cold months in Chicago, he goes to Atlanta. That when it's too hot in Atlanta, he comes home to Chicago, maintaining this cult of six uh, to eight women at different times, some of them underage, uh, how they dress, when they eat, when they sleep, how they pleasure him in video encounters, wow. when they break his rules, all of this complex. You know, again, I'm a reporter, but I'm not, I, I, sometimes I feel like I'm a little slow. The first time uh, some of these sources are telling me it's like the Manson cult, I'm saying, you know, Charles Manson, you know, I mean, that's like yeah. 1969, you know, what, yeah. <laughs> what kind of freakiness are you? And then you hear it the fourth and the fifth and the sixth times and you see emails and texts and photographs and on the record interviews and you say, yeah. I, and I think that since it wasn't televised because it's in federal court mm -hmm. and since the transcripts cost 200 or $300 a day for six weeks. So many people are still unaware other than the headlines of the reporters who were hamstrung because wow. they were not allowed in the courtroom. They were in an overflow room with a crappy video and audio. Feed, like just a right? monitor, monitor, just feed. a monitor that's going right. in and out. Right. The things that were said in federal court are mind blowing. Mind blowing. Were, were you surprised by anything that was said? Yeah, I, I, I had. There were things I'd never read. I had heard about his proclivities toward uh, young boys, but I had never spoken to one. We had two underage boys testify in Brooklyn. Um, you know, when the one young girl reads the letter she wrote to herself at age seventeen about the penalties. Uh, of not following daddy's rules, including eating her own feces, uh, and and what, you know, always try to please daddy. You know, if he burps or farts, you say, thank you, daddy. You you never question what daddy says, right? I mean, this is, you know, it, and here That's she is. mind blowing, man. In, in her mid-20s, reading this letter uh, to herself, and and uh, you just, oh, this is, this is sick. You know, minus... The murders. This is Manson level cult. Wow, man. So, so you, you yourself. I mean, you thought not heard at all, but heard most of it yeah. when you are in the federal court, and then you're just 
mind blown by some of the things that you've gotten. And as far as I saw, I mean, there were so many people on the defense side as far as witnesses, but, but he didn't have a lot of support. He didn't, he didn't have uh, he had a crummy five or six defense witnesses. And of course he didn't testify um, has to be underscored that to this day after conviction and after sentencing, he has still not expressed remorse for the lives he ruined much less any culpability. You know, uh, I don't think he sees it that way. There was testimony in court and I wasn't there. I was writing for the New Yorker and I had the benefit of them funding the transcripts every day, which are, the reading is horrifying. Um, and I, 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 I felt I covered it better than the people there because they were so hamstrung. Um, wow. You know, it, it, it's almost like you had an uh, you had an insight into I it had an insight. You, 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 yeah. You've seen this before. Yeah, I've seen it before. And some of the women had first trusted me to tell their stories. Others were completely new to me, uh, which is horrifying, given that I know the names and have talked to 68 women over the years. I believe the real 68, 68. And I believe the real totals well over a hundred because there were so many witnesses, both in the upcoming Chicago federal trial and the Brooklyn trial that I'd never even heard of. Right. Uh, not even secondhand, you know, I was there with so-and-so, you know, no, no, I've never even heard. So, um, yeah, there were things that blew my mind in, in trial and, were truly sickening. And yet you still had people every day of those proceedings, R. Kelly's being railroaded. I hear from some of them, they get my number, you know, mm -hmm. and they, you know, uh, you know, what about this video on YouTube? You know, mm -hmm. read the freaking transcript, right? 22 victims testified. If they all lied on the stand, they committed a felony of perjury, right? They're not lying. And then look at the documentation, the videos and the the uh, uh, emails and the texts and the audio wow. recordings. I mean, come on. Too many black men wrongly in prison. We know that. OK, mm -hmm. this is not one of them. So when, when did people start listening? Was it after the BuzzFeed article came up that they woke up and they started paying attention? Because that's when you really started to see it have yeah. an effect on his career at the time. Yeah, well, like I said, BuzzFeed leads to, per Kenyette Tisha Barnes and Oranique Aodaly, mute R. Kelly. And BuzzFeed leads to Dream Hampton surviving R. Kelly. But I mm -hmm. really think it's only with the power of television and these women, one after another, after another, after another, coming into your living room and you seeing that's she's just like my sister. She's just like mm -hmm. my aunt. You know, you seeing these women for for two decades, I had sat one on one in coffee shops and conference rooms at the newspaper, hearing these stories from these women. And now America's hearing them and some of them are a little hard to believe and, but not all of them. <laughs> all right. right. Not all yeah. people are complicated. Everyone is complicated. Uh, there is no ultimate black, ultimate white. There are shades of gray, but all of these stories, the cumulative cumulative effect is, is can't be denied. I think one of the most powerful scenes, um, in that, um, I mean, all the women they had, they had, a. Uh, uh, the testimonies were heart heart wrenching, man. Just pulled on you, but just seeing that mother uh, pull her daughter out of the hotel 
Yeah. Uh, at the time, that was probably one of the scenes where I think it really clicked for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and and there were people. It it, it it was a lot of bravery to be able to create oh, that. Absolutely. That was uh, a lot of bravery. You yeah. know, Dominique Gardner, who was pulled out by her mother, um, you know, first broke her silence with me, and it was nine months before she decided to talk. And she has still not given an in-depth interview to anyone else to this day. She doesn't speak in Surviving R. Kelly. You just see her mom uh, going to, to rescue her. And then she went back and then she split for good. I mean, it's a complicated story. She's now a, a yeah. young mom in a happy relationship. And I haven't spoken to her since because her lawyer was furious that she talked to me. Uh, I didn't twist her arm. It took her nine months to decide to talk. Uh, and what she said was complicated, Eric. I yeah. loved him. He loved me. I, 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 I mean, she doesn't know how to think. Part of her hates him. Part of her still loves him. Uh, and, you know, it's complicated, I think, for all of these women. But you know what? In every sexual assault trial anywhere in the world, it is complicated for every victim. You know, do I want to expose myself and speak the truth? Uh, I can't put myself through that. Uh, you know, and then Kelly, there's the added ambivalence of when it was good. I mean, you know, Dominique said to me, when it was good, Jim, it was really, really good. And when it was bad, it was horrible. What do you wow. mean, Dominique? He beat me. He whipped me with an electric cord. He choked me. He refused to let me eat. He slapped me. I was like, but I loved him and I thought he loved me. Oh, but again, you know, cops on the beat, the good ones will tell you they show up at domestic abuse calls and the woman is battered and bleeding. And so I was a misunderstanding. Nothing happened here. The victims often become uh, under the sway of their victimizers until it's too late and they wind up dead. Uh, man, what a shame. What a shame. And and there are people. So now let's, it seems like a lot of this stuff was really covered up because there was money going yeah. around. Yeah. There was a lot of money. Now tell me about the, the one attorney, I think Loggins was the yeah, name. Susan the e. one Loggins. attorney. Well, she was like the settlement queen at the time Yeah, for, you know, the young girls, everyone would just like, you know, go there to get a payday. Yeah. So, you know, so, what was that like? I mean, at some point, is does, is there a duty and responsibility that she should have to say, hey, you know, authorities, you, you guys got to look into this. This is what I received. She doesn't see it that way. The rare occasions when she has spoken to me on the record, uh, I'm a defense attorney. Uh, I don't believe that these victims were going to get justice in criminal court. They came to me as a civil attorney. They knew that's what I did. You know, she filed the first several lawsuits by the first victims in court. And mm -hmm. then she began what I called a settlement factory. Mm -hmm. I believe there were a dozen or so settlements. A mm -hmm. girl would come to her with the story. She would send them to a private investigator in the Chicago suburb of Hinsdale, uh, take a lie detector test. She'd go to Kelly's lawyers and say, I have another one. Uh, here's the story. What's this one wow. worth to you? And they would get, and we're talking chump change. We're talking 100, 200 grand. We're not talking millions. We're talking yeah. chump change of which she kept 40%. All right. Mm -hmm. But- mm -hmm. The record company's aware. Kelly is so 
is an odd combination of super street smart and dumb. And, you know, the first lawsuit, he actually tried to recoup the hush money to Tiffany Hawkins from his insurance company. Really? Yeah, he filed an insurance claim. He was eventually laughed out of court on that one, but he filed a civil lawsuit. You know, insurance. Yeah, I think that's company. in your book. I, yeah, I think I remember no, it is. in your book. I mean, yeah. You know, this is why the book, even if you think you know everything about this story, um, look, there's two reasons for the book. Number one uh, is uh, a message about journalism, right? But number two is uh, these many, many systems that all failed, right? All failed these young black girls. And that is the problem to be dealt with moving forward. R. Kelly is now never going to come out of federal prison uh, unless he's on a walker. He would be 85, right, if, wow. if he gets out. Uh, and that's not counting whatever happens at the second federal trial or the state of Illinois trial or the state of Minnesota trial. He's done, right? But what remains, Eric, is why are black women not treated the same in court? You know, and that's, of course, an adjunct to why are black men treated. You had you had you had a line about that. You said if these women were a different color, things would have been different. Again, that's me amplifying what they've told me again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah. But but often Man. many of these women have said if there was one white girl in the wealthy suburb of Winneka, this would have been a different story. Well, I think one of the first things you do when someone says that they've been hurt, you have to listen. It's just like if my yeah. kids come to me and they said, I'm hurt, you listen. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I, and I say that because, like, I remember when I think he was arrested in Chicago, like, by, uh, I think, Cook County yeah. arrested him. Uh, one of the first things that his lawyer came out and just discredited all these people by calling them liars immediately. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, which seemed to be very unfortunate because later – uh, he was not his attorney anymore. I think he had, yeah. they had like a huge attorney change or whatever. But um, through through all of this, I mean, does he need help? Does he have a problem? Or, I, I don't know what part of it is a psychological problem and what part of it is sheer ego and hubris. We heard a young victim uh, testify in Brooklyn who said, he once said to me, look at Jerry Lee Lewis. He yep. got away with it. He was able to do whatever he want. I should get away with it. I'm a genius. We should be treated differently. You know, so what part of it is this psychological compulsion? Brother needs help. What part of it is the sickness? And what mm -hmm. part of it is he doesn't give a fuck about any other human being? He never no. has. You know, I mean... There are many aspects of the story that that still are unexamined. You know, his attorney in federal court before the sentencing, and he has said in public now several times he was abused by his older sister, right, mm -hmm. as well as an older man. Uh, yep. But his sister is, I have heard, very religious, downstate Illinois, remarried, different name, refuses to be found, has never spoken out. She, you know, accusing an older woman of abusing a young boy is as bad as mm -hmm. the other way around. Uh, no defense. Uh, she's not on the record. Did this happen? Did it not happen? It certainly doesn't forgive anything. And right. she was working cleaning toilets and cleaning his mansion uh, for years after he made it rich. 
Really? I thought so. I thought like they just totally didn't no, talk and no, speak no, at all. No, I had that on members of the family who told me that. And he treated his two half brothers like crap. He treated his half sister like crap. He treated everyone who ever worked for him like crap. Um, you know, the man has not engendered loyalty. Sometimes it would last for a decade or, or, or two. Right. But there are two people indicted with him as part of his racketeering enterprise in Chicago. Uh, and both of them, he eventually started treating like crap, which is a kind of, a, you know, the drug lord or the mafia Don has to treat his people well or the yeah. people turn witnesses against him. Uh, and clearly the federal government is hoping that some of these people flip on him. Well, I mean, like right now, I mean, the folks who are his co-conspirators or his, the folks who are charged with him, they have to look on and say, like, you know, hey, man, he got 30 years, man. Right. And, and right. there's a there's a and there's a long paper trail. And, and I think I sent you the, the notes. I had a, an interview with an attorney and he said, when the feds come after you, they they're ready. They are ready. And, they, and, they, you know, they don't, and they, they don't come to lose. No. You know, they interviewed everyone I ever spoke to in my book when they spread out uh, across the country in 2018. Uh, three dozen uh, uh, investigators. There was nobody that I had ever spoken to that they didn't contact. Not all of them trusted the cops. I mean, that was always mm -hmm. part of the problem, too. You know, even the diligent small group of Chicago cops way back in 2000, um, you know, the black community has been treated so poorly by institutional justice, cops uh -huh. and, and courts uh, for so long, they're not going to talk to the cops. Right. But me as a fat white music geek, they, they you know, were going to trust me. And then with every story, I earned more trust, you know, right. uh, because I had reported the truth. And then I want to go back to something you're talking about the truth too. There is nothing that you've ever reported or even written about that has had to have been redacted. No, no, not a single correction, clarification, uh, much less a lawsuit. No, it all stands. 22 years of reporting stands on the record. So now we brought up the Jerry Lee Lewis and, and, and I've, you know, had this discussion with other people before and they always say like, you know, People's creativity come at a price. Was the price for him like liking underage girls or you see someone like Elvis, Elvis married his daughter, I mean, his wife at 14 years old. Yeah. Right. So, you know, but they're making a movie about Elvis. And do you think that that's why a lot of people in, in the black community are like, you know, like, hey, leave him alone. Look at Elvis or look at Jerry Lee Lewis. You know, do you think that's how people are justifying it because they're so in love with the music? We could probably talk for an hour about the ethics of uh, Elvis Presley and Priscilla uh, Bole or Jerry Lee Lewis and his uh, second cousin, right? Um, those are marriages that lasted decades and they were with one woman. Again, I say to you, 68 women whose names I know, several dozen more involved in the federal trials Nobody has the body count that R. Kelly has. There's wow. a difference between, you know, we throw more, you know, Bill Wyman of the Rolling Stones, underage mm -hmm. wife. Okay. All right. Yes. 
Men have been treating badly uh, women in pop music since the era of the Bobby Soxers, Jimmy Page, David Bowie. Um, where are the dozens and dozens and dozens of victims? Nobody has that body count like R. Kelly. It is really easy oh. to forgive the hedonism of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah, R&B, hip hop, whatever you want to say, right? Uh, the body count speaks. Jim, what inspired you to pen the book? Because I, I, I would I would tell anyone that has ever doubted your reporting or or, or thinking that you've got it out for him um, that they read that book. Because, man, I mean, you, you take people through, I mean, uh, just a timeline journey mm -hmm. throughout the book. I, I never wanted to write that book. Um, I was convinced uh, by my editor uh, that it was needed because of that thing I was talking about. The courts, the schools, the church, the journalism, uh, the music industry all failed these young black girls. I felt I owed, uh, I owed it all of them who had trusted me for all of these individual stories for 22 years. Um, besides R. Kelly and whether or not he would ever be brought to justice because it wasn't clear when I started writing the book, it only became clear a couple of weeks ago, you know, uh, sentenced. Um, you know, I, I felt I owed them. How did this happen, right? That's the question to take away from here. How did this happen? Because if we don't understand that, it's gonna happen again. It's happening right now, I have no doubt. Maybe so not to the extent of R. Kelly, but and, and let's hope you know, it never ever gets to that extent. And man, it shouldn't. It shouldn't be one teacher, right, and one student. It just shouldn't be. So, Jim, when you found out, I know this isn't about you, um, and it's about you. You did a lot. Of, you did it for those victims, and so this would never happen again. But when you found out that you know he got sentenced to thirty years. Um, do you, did you feel like this is what it's for? You know, did you feel like you had done the right thing by all these people? And what was that feeling that you had? I'm not saying that it's all about you, but what is that feeling? Well, um, I, you know, I, I always defer to the women, Eric. I mean, yeah. when he's convicted, what I heard from those who I'm still in touch with is I'm glad I was finally believed in a court of law. And uh, but it's too little too late for that damage to be repaired for me. So I think that's the message too little too late. But also it, it, it is not satisfying in any way. This man was unequivocally a musical genius. Okay. Yeah. And to see the damage that he did with his music as opposed to bringing good to the world makes me uh, depressed. I, I, I was proud to hear put into court records with documenting evidence, all of the things I'd reported, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's just really sad. I mean, I am a punk rocker, okay? Mm -hmm. I am not freaking Bono of you 2 We can sing together and feed Africa. You know, no, 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 no. Uh, decades of imperialism, capitalism, and racism are not gonna be erased by your stupid song, you 2 All right, I'm not mm -hmm. that. But I think 
of Mavis Staples, who just turned 82, walking arm in arm with her sisters and Dr. King as the hoses in Alabama and Mississippi are turned on her and the dogs are let loose and the billy flubs are swinging. I am not saying civil rights had some progress. We ain't there yet because of her singing. I am saying her singing inspired us to fight the fight. That is the power I believe that music has. And to think that R. Kelly could have done that, and for some people did, I believe mm -hmm. I can fly, but at the cost of 68 women whose names I know. Uh, I mean, you know, it is, it is horrible. There is not a lot of great music that comes from the forces of hatred. Um, name for me a great anti-Semitic band. Name for me a great white power band. Name for mm. me a, a great Nazi bit. No, no, there's not. For the yeah. most part, you know, music inspires and uplifts, you know, and what we're left with in the Kelly legacy, you know, and Jackson's is just as complicated. But Michael Jackson's is easier to deal with. My life would be very poor indeed if I had to cut out the Jackson 5 or all the great solo albums, you know, up against the walls, the masterpiece, not thriller, but whatever. We can have that debate, right? It'd be a great conversation, right? All right. It's not until the last two albums, History and Invincible, that he mm -hmm. begins protesting his innocence. Media, do your jobs. You're going to crucify me like you crucify the Lord, right? Those credible accusations of abusing young boys, right? He takes on the Santa Barbara County DA in uh, by name, right? And you know, when he is singing about those issues, I can't ignore them, right? I can still listen to Jackson 5 and all the other solo albums. Ben, I love the song to a rat. What the hell was that about? Okay. Um, with Kelly, it's harder to separate because we now know what his sex in the kitchen and trapped in the closet and I want to be your sexosaurus. We know mm -hmm. what all of that meant and it meant 15-year-olds. Right. So now we're left with this mess. What do we do with these 30 years of, of music? You know, and that's unprecedented, yeah. too. That's really, yeah. you know, and look, Charles Manson's music is still streaming on Spotify, Apple and Amazon. David Koresh, who had the cult in Waco that all died mm -hmm. in there, you know, is still streaming on Apple and Spotify. People collected John Wayne Gacy, murderer of 36 homosexual boys. They collected his jailhouse paintings of clown faces. There are some, to borrow Carrie Kelly's phrase to me, some sick MFers who are drawn to this evil. It was interesting you bring up uh, Kerry Kelly because at one point uh, there were some things that you know he was saying that were uh, not in his brother's best interest. And yeah, then he, now, he's gone back now, and forth. He's gone, yeah. you know, he's gone, and so has Bruce, the other half brother. The only one we've never heard from is Teresa, the sister. Mm -hmm. And I just feel, I mean, maybe that women woman did what he's accused her of, and maybe she didn't. Right. We've never heard her speak. Right. Uh, it was a messed up upbringing. Uh, I, I've gotten that from everyone close to him who who've talked to me over the years. Um, yeah, they've all gone back and forth, Eric, at different times. He's paying them and then he's not paying them. And then that affects what they're saying and what they're not saying. And, you know, it's 
it's sad. Uh, yeah, it, it, it is, man. And just to, uh, you know, like I told you, even in the call, I mean, years ago, you, you, I couldn't, I'd be lying to you if I told you I'd never heard a song, dance a song, went yeah. to a concert or anything like that. But now, uh, you know, when you have your own children, your own daughters, and you, you just have to think, could I support that? And the answer yeah. is you can't. Yeah. You really can't. Well, you know, Jim, I think you've, you've done some fine work, man. And I believe you, what your work has also brought some peace to some people um, and also probably helped some future people avoid something happening to them. And I know it's always, you know, with you, it's always about uh, those victims and about those women. And uh, I'm going to tell you, my man, you did your job. Uh, you did your job. Well, you know, Somebody asked me about this yesterday from Australia, and um, I defer to Tarana Burke, who launched hashtag Me Too more mm-hmm. than a decade before everybody gets excited because Harvey Weinstein preyed on white actresses. Mm-hmm. Tarana and I were talking, and she once kind of side eye wisely says to me, You get the messages still, right? And we're not talking about the Kelly story. There is so much abuse of young women out there. I, wow. I can't take this on again, Eric. You know, it, you know. I was going to ask you. It damn near killed me the first time. I, I was going to. I was going to ask I'd you that. Like because to be done. Just in, in, and, and, in, in reading your book, you, I mean, heck, somebody's thrown bricks through your window, shot at your house. Yeah, you've had some personal threats before. Yeah. If this was approached to you again. Would you go through with it? No. One of the reasons I I do these interviews and I talk plenty to other young journalists who say, how do I do these stories? I I now refer people who seem credible uh, to other reporters. It's I I'm I'm 57, man. I want to talk to you about the Yola record uh, (laughs) and the new wet leg record. And I want to teach my students at Columbia College. Uh, I don't think I have this in me again. And, and Tarana too, you know, and what she was saying is the amount of pain that people come to her with. Yeah. Uh, you can't take all of that on. And that's the reason to keep talking about it because it's system wide, it's endemic. And it's, uh, it's, it's, if we have made two steps forward with both uh, Me Too and Black Lives Matter, we damn well know we've also made one big jump back for everyone you know bill cosby's out acquitted on a technicality and harvey weinstein is in jail but jeffrey epstein you know deprived his victims of justice and where are the enablers and co-conspirators print i freaked the fuck out of a bbc reporter during a live interview yesterday when i said yeah well uh, you know is a Maxwell convicted in the Epstein case, but Prince Andrew and oh, let's not talk about Prince Andrew. <laughs> well, motherfucker, we got to talk about <laughs> Prince Andrew and we got to talk about everybody else because, yeah. you know, there has been no penalty. Uh, Dream Hampton says no one's above the law, man. Jive records, right, ought to be forced to give a big chunk of the income from R. Kelly to victims organizations. Right. And Jive, Jive was one fucked up label, man. Britney Spears. Look at the mess they made of her in sync wow. with the sexual abuse of those boys. Right. I mean, 
and they ain't paying any penalty. You know, Clive Calder yeah. sits in retirement under a palm tree on one of the Cayman Islands. Well, so right. what 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 happens to his music? All of it. I mean, who has it? Who owns it? Well, it's on Spotify streaming, you know, and Apple. And Somebody, someone's making money. Someone's making money. It's it's not going to him. He's in 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 so much debt. I am a broke ass legend. Um, I think there's no right or wrong. I think uh, art is so subjective to us individually. If you mm-hmm. tell me, I still love. I believe I can fly. I condemn everything he did, but I love the song. I don't think you're wrong. If you say to me, if I'm in a club or at a wedding and I hear his music, I get sick to my stomach. And if the DJ won't turn it off, I leave. I don't think you're right. No wrong or right. There's only the individual answer that each of us will have. The only thing that is, you know, undeniably wrong is to not give a shit about his victims. You that know? is that is strong. And I think I think that the, the Mute R. Kelly movement had a, had a really good capitalist point. It was not censorship, right? They are saying, look, uh, I, I, let me put it in my terms. I like a chicken sandwich, right? I mm-hmm. love me a good chicken sandwich. I'll go to Harold's Chicken in Chicago, right? I'm mm-hmm. not going to go to Chick-fil-A. Because as good as that sandwich allegedly is, other chicken sandwich fans tell me, it is brought to you by a company that supports, you know, teachers wearing guns and uh, hates gay people, right? Mm. I don't agree with that. I ain't going to go there. That's capitalism. I'm not going to give you my dollar, right? He's no longer touring, so it's not a problem of concert ticket dollars. There is no more physical product. Right. His point zero one cent, which is not even going to go to him uh, from the Spotify stream. I don't think we really have to worry about. And and eventually there will be a civil lawsuit that says any money that trickles in to the Kelly estate from now on should go to the victims. Right. There will be civil lawsuits that wow. follow the criminal. Um but but you know it's just it's just capitalism. Don't give your money to companies that believe in evil shit. Yeah. So this man, it's it's just amazing uh, to see you know to to go back to what you said about what Demetrius Smith said. Like you know there would be legal women, and he chose you know the person in the corner with the braces who had acne issues. Yeah. Um. I um. I, I appreciate everything that you've done. I really, I really do. I mean, there are going to be people who are going to be um, pissed off. Uh, and there may be some who just say, you know, great job. But I think, you know, uh, everything that you did, uh, you protected a lot of future women from getting hurt. Um, you, Mary and Abdon Palace, you guys should be very proud of the work that you've done because um, who knows, man, you could have saved the hell out of somebody in the next decade or 25 years from now just from the work that you did well, back then. Yeah. So it, it's Tiffany, it is Geronda, it is Jovante, it, it is it is uh, Dominique, it is, uh, it, you know, that it's them, Eric. It's them. It's yeah. them. And you helped them and you defended the future Dominiques, Gerondas, and everyone else. So um, 
Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Thank you well, for what you've done. Well, thank you for your interest. And yeah, uh, thank it would you. be nice if people read the book. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's tell them about that book. Tell these people how to find that book, where to buy it. Me, uh, I I actually I went through it twice, even the audio version, you know, and it was read by you, which I, I really like when the author reads a book because you really get the true inflections of what they mean, how they mean it and everything else. But I mean, shit, yeah. just tap the button and you're and your phone and get the book. I mean, if well, that's the case. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, it, it's about the systems failing. It's a bigger story. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's why it, it was worth doing. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I go, and, and go to the library. The I'm not saying I need your money because you know, it's like Spotify. No, it's about being informed. <laughs> it, 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 it's about, it's about being informed and, <laughs> and, and what it is. It's, it's the, the book title is soulless, the case against R. Kelly. It's yeah. not, Jim DeRogatis versus R. Kelly. It's the no. case. And like Jim said, he talks about just the failures of the system. Uh, it's a damn good read. It's it's damn near as chronological as chronological can get. Um, and it gives you a great timeline from start to finish and a lot of insight into if you have been just a headline reader and you've been on one side of the fence, there's a lot of facts and notice we said facts. Yeah. There's nothing that has had to have been redacted or taken back at all. Um, good stuff. Really good stuff there. Jim. Well, thank you. Eric. Um, and thank good, you, man. Good luck with the podcast. Yeah, man. We're rocking, man. Uh, let's stay in touch, my man. And uh, just thank you for being a guest. And to everyone out there listening, if you feel this podcast has been good for you uh, and you actually just, just want to just forward it on to someone else and, and see how I can help them, give us a five-star rating. But uh, and also give us a listen where everywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast and go get that book from Jim DeRogatis, uh, Solace, The Case Against R. Kelly. Have Jim, a good day. Thank man. you so much, man. You Take care, brother. All right. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to give us a five star rating. 